Let's turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, and then Revelation, chapter 14. So two short readings from the New Testament. First of all, Luke, chapter 3, beginning at verse 15. So the words are on the screen, or if you prefer to use the Pew Bible or your own Bible. Uh, Luke, chapter 3 and 15. And as the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. And then Revelation 14, verse 14. And I looked. And behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle, and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. May is silage month, of course, isn't it? It's the month when the farmers get busy and get going with the silage. It's the beginning of the grass harvest. And um, from now on, of course, the farmers will cut the silage every four weeks, or maybe every six weeks, but either every either every four or six weeks after the first cut. We come to the book of Revelation, and there's a harvest mentioned here, and we want to study it today and preach upon it. Sometimes, folks, we think of harvest in the autumn, September, October, but really that, that's not the only time for harvest, because harvest for the farmers begins a lot sooner than that, the grass harvest, we could call it. Well, the Lord Jesus is involved in the harvest here in Revelation chapter 14. And he has two cuts. There's two cuts in Revelation 14. Some farmers apparently have up to six cuts. I was just reading about that during the week. If they're really flat out during the silage season, they can manage six cuts suppose with the contractors and all the big vehicles that they're and um, of course nowadays uh, they're able to go through the night they get the lights on and you hear them hammering away for all they're worth during the night bringing the silage in well the lord jesus he's two cuts two cuts for his harvest here in revelation 14 there's the harvest of the grain first of all we've read about it today and verses 14 to 16, and that's what we're going to deal with today. But then you've got the harvest of the grapes. Uh, 
In the remaining verses, we'll deal with that, God willing, next week. Pray for us as we prepare that message. But today, the first cut, if you like, in this spiritual harvest, verses 14 to 16, and it's the harvest of the grain. In other words, the Lord Jesus is harvesting those who are saved. This is the wheat. You know how in Matthew 13, the Savior talked about the wheat and the tares? Well, the wheat represents those who are saved. Uh, Not those who are good, because, you know, being good doesn't get you into heaven. And heaven today is full of people who are not good. Might sound strange. But actually, heaven is full of bad people today who are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Hell, by the way, is full of good people who thought they didn't need the blood of the Lamb. That's the distinction. That's the dichotomy today. But the wheat are those who are washed in the blood of the Lamb, redeemed and justified and declared righteous in Christ. And the Lord Jesus, uh, he... he, um, Harvests the wheat here. The time has come for him to gather his uh, wheat into his barn or into his garner, as he calls it in Luke chapter 3. And we'll, we'll talk more about that word garner later on. But you notice here in Revelation 14, Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. The Lord of the harvest, Jesus is the center of attention in this harvest. And he's called the Son of Man. That's one of his lovely titles, the Son of Man. We think of that great verse in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And the Son of Man saved a lost soul called Zacchaeus. And the Son of Man is able to save a lost soul in this service today. And that could be you. He's able to save you today. He's able to save lost lost people in the village today. He's still seeking And where there's a seeking sinner, there'll always be a seeking saviour, the Son of Man. But there's a verse in Matthew chapter 13, verse 37. If you have your Bible there, I want you to turn to it because it's another verse that refers to the Son of Man. Matthew 13 and 37. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. You see, the Lord Jesus, the Lord of the harvest in Revelation 14, he's harvesting the crop that he uh, owns. It's his property. It's rightfully his for one reason. He sowed it. Whenever it was the, time, the seed time, the time for sowing the crop, he did the sowing. He did the spade work. He put in the hard work, the long hours, He sowed the good seed, and now, according to Revelation 14, it's the time for harvest, and he's the one who sowed the seed is the one who harvests the crop. Same person, the Son of Man. And by the way, the seed that the Lord Jesus sows in Matthew chapter 13 is... 
the children of God. If you have your Bible still open there at Matthew 13, notice it. Verse 38, the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The day that you were saved, Christian, the Lord Jesus sowed another seed. And praise his name here and there, hither and thither today, even in darkened Ulster, he's, he's sowing seeds here and there. He's still saving the ones and the twos in this heathen land. Oh, maybe you thought we were a Christian land. Boy, you're way behind the times. Long, we have long since left Christianity behind The best you could say today is that we're a nominally Christian country. But we're kind of just hanging on by the coattails to the Bible and to Christianity today. By and large, we've turned our back on the Lord and his gospel. But thank God, still in this pagan land, the Lord is still sowing the good seed of the children of the kingdom. The Son of Man. And he's the Lord of the harvest. So you can see the connection between Matthew 13 and Revelation 14. See, the Bible always unlocks itself. Take a key. Take the key of one passage. Use it. Put it into the, the, the lock of another passage. You can understand it. Oh, but the book of Revelation, boy, it's very hard to understand. I don't know why bothers studying it on a Sunday morning. Just take the key of Scripture. And the Holy Spirit, that's all you need. The Lord of the harvest, boy, he has some chariot here, this Lord of the harvest in Revelation 14, because the clouds are his chariot. A white cloud, a white cloud, he's sitting on the cloud. And this is like the chariot that brings the Lord Jesus back to the earth. This is the second coming now. And, of course, in Matthew chapter 24, we read about the clouds, don't we? Again, take a key from one passage of Scripture, it'll unlock the other. Take the key of Matthew 24, verse 30, it'll unlock Revelation 14, verse 14. Look at Matthew 24, verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, Notice this, and they shall see the Son of Man. Connection with Revelation 14, the Son of Man. Coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Coming in the clouds of heaven. It's going to happen someday, maybe sooner than we think. Surely you don't think that the devil, surely you don't think the Lord Jesus is going to allow the devil to have his way forever on planet earth? Not a bit of it. You see, he shed his blood on this planet. The blood of the eternal Son of God fell from Calvary's cross and stained the soil and stained the ground below the cross outside the city walls of Jerusalem. And you see the Lord Jesus marked his territory that day. The lion of the tribe of Judah marked his territory just as the lion in the wild marks his territory. He'll scratch a tree. The Lord Jesus marked his territory at Calvary by his blood. 
It's mine. Belongs to me, he says. I, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He's on his way back, folks. And he's coming in his chariot, the clouds of heaven. Sitting on the cloud. The Lord of the harvest, are you ready for his coming? I'm sure some of us at least are getting ready for holidays. You're preparing for for a break in the summer and everybody deserves a break, of course. Some people like to go away. Other people just are home birds. They like to stay at home and just rest at home. doesn't matter where you go, whether you stay at home or go. As long as you rest, it's important to rest because if you don't come apart, you'll come apart. But we need to make preparation above all for the coming of the Lord, for the harvest that is certainly coming. And how do you prepare for this great event, the second coming of Christ? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's what we were teaching the young people in the Bible class earlier today. Believe. Oh, the... The, the, the cults and the false world religions will say behave. But they haven't taken something into account. They haven't taken into account the fact that fallen man can't behave. He's just, he's just drawn to sin the way like a bowl. You know how a bowl and lawn bowls, it veers to one side depending on which side the bias is on. That's the way man is, folks. He's a polluted creature. He can't turn over a new leaf and reform himself. He just falls flat on his face sooner or later. But the Lord Jesus knew about that and he designed a plan of salvation where all man had to do was believe and depend and trust in his finished work and be saved and be ready for the harvest, the end of the age. Well, notice what the Lord of the harvest is wearing here in Revelation 14. On his head a golden crown. He's wearing the golden crown. Do you know the queen, our present queen, when she was crowned in 1953, she wore a golden crown. St. Edward's crown. It was made of solid gold. Twelve inches tall. It weighed 4.9 pounds. It was decorated with 444 precious and semi-precious stones. Queen Elizabeth II crowned almost 70 years ago wearing the golden crown. St. Edward's crown. Ah, the Lord Jesus, he's wearing a crown that's far greater than St. Edward's crown. He's wearing the crown of victory because... The word crown there in Revelation 14, it's the, the Greek word Stephanos. It's where the name Stephen comes from. Stephanos, it's the crown of victory. The crown of victory. You see, in the ancient Olympic Games, uh, whoever won the race in the arena, they, they received the crown or the laurel wreath. It was placed upon their brow. <coughs> the crown of victory. Crown of victory. It's for the champion. Jesus is the champion. He defeated the devil at the cross. 
Hebrews 2. Through death he destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and delivered them who were in bondage all their lifetime because of the fear of death. Jesus delivers us from the fear of death by his own death. He took the sting out of death. That's why no person who's under the blood needs fear death. If you're not under the blood, you need to you, you have every reason to fear death. But if you're under the blood, you've absolutely no reason to fear death when it comes. For you're ready. Because Jesus has won the victory. We, we, we didn't win the victory. No, he won the victory on our behalf. By proxy, we could say. And then he gives us the victory, a free gift. It's all about him and what he has done for us at the cross. And he, is, he deserves to have the Stephanus, the crown of victory. He's worthy of it. And you see, whenever you see someone wearing a crown, then you know that they're reigning and ruling. A crown speaks of authority. A crown speaks of a throne, a monarch upon the throne. I want to tell you today, the Lord Jesus is on the throne. He hasn't abdicated. He's still on the throne. There's people in the world today who think they're in charge, but they're not. Jesus is in charge. Do you know that today in Switzerland there's a, a group who are meeting from today until Thursday. They're, they're called the World Economic Forum, WEF. They're meeting today uh, in Davos in Switzerland. And of course if you read up about them you'll know that uh, their aim is the transformation of the economy, the society and the people. Agents of chaos masquerading as angels of light. The World Economic Forum. Boy, they've got plans for all of us. They want to transform the economy to a central bank digital currency. They want to transform society to a social credit system. You know, like they have in China at the present time. And in Iran, by the way, they started digital rationing in Iran as well. They want to transform people. These individuals, these shady, sinister individuals meeting today in Switzerland. They want to transform you and me, people. They want to bring in what's called transhumanism. Synchronizing human beings with the digital world. Sort of turning you into half of a robot. You're half human and you're half robot. Because they want to control you like a puppet in a string. These are the people who think they're in charge of our world today. But they're only deluding themselves. Because the Lord Jesus, he's up high above them in heaven. And he's looking down laughing at them. Laughing at them as they meet this week in Davos. The great and the good, movers and shakers in the World Economic Forum. But they're just grasshoppers in his sight. No, Jesus wears the crown today. He's the king. 
It's good to be in his house worshipping him. You notice the Lord Jesus is holding something in his hand. He's not only wearing something on his head, but holding something in his hand. Says a sharp sickle, according to Revelation 14. A sharp sickle. You see, he's getting ready for the harvest. When Her Majesty the Queen was crowned, in 1953, she, she also held something in her hand. She held a sword, the sword of mercy, it was called. The sword of mercy. It's a very peculiar kind of a sword because it's blunt at the end. It, its end is blunted and squared. So the end is blunt and square, so it's not going to do any damage. The sword of mercy. Her majesty, during her coronation, she held it. I want to tell you folks today that the Lord Jesus here in Revelation 14, he's holding a sword of mercy. Because this is the harvest of all the saved. The harvest of the grain. And for the people of God... They're going to experience mercy when the Lord Jesus comes again. He will lavish his mercy upon them. The sword has been blunted. Because you see, he took the sword at the cross, didn't he? He he took the sword for us at Calvary. The sword was unleashed against him. What did Zechariah the prophet say? Awake, O sword, against my shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Those of us today who are trusting in the Savior will never experience the sword of justice, but we'll experience the sword of his mercy. Luke chapter 3, verse 17, whose fan is in his hand. And he will truly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner. I said we'd come back to this verse earlier. Let me finish off by just sharing a few thoughts from this verse. This is the the harvest of the grain that the Lord is describing in Luke chapter 3. He speaks of a fan. That's an instrument for winnowing grain. It was sort of a basket that you would put the, 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 the wheat into and you would throw the, the wheat up into the air and the, the grain and the chaff would be separated, the fan. The Lord Jesus is going to separate the, the wheat from the chaff and he's going to bring the wheat into his, into his garner. Those who are saved. But what's the garner? Well, a garner is a building where grain is stored for preservation. A granary, we would say, where grain is safely stored. Someday the Lord Jesus is going to come again and he's going to gather his wheat into the heavenly garner, the heavenly granary, the heavenly barn, safe for all eternity. A lot of people today in the football world will be talking about safety. I happened to catch something on the radio the other night. Was it Everton we're playing? And they won the match. 
and they needed to win to be safe. And at the end, the commentator said, Everton are safe. And there'll be other clubs today and they'll be safe at the, when the final whistle goes. But there'll be other clubs who'll be down through the trapdoor. Not safe. But you know, at the end of the day, and when we think about the bigger picture, Premier League safety doesn't really matter very much, does it? What really matters, folks, is that our soul is safe. That we have spiritual safety for all eternity. Are you safe today? What if the Lord was to come today? Would you be safe from relegation to eternal hell? Or would you fall through the trapdoor? It's one or the other. But hallelujah, it's gloriously possible for every one of us to be safe forevermore. Safe, safe upon the ever-shining shore. Sin, pain, and death, and sorrow, all are o'er. Happy now and evermore. Here's how you can be safe. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. 